0: When I was a kid, if I wanted to watch television, I would uh, walk up to the television set and I would uh, turn the television on and then I would turn a knob to uh, switch that television to a channel. And I had three choices of which channel that could be on. I I maybe would have to turn two knobs at one time or two knobs to watch a certain channel, but I only had three choices, so uh, my... choice of of taking in media was entertainment was fairly simple you know you had you had these three options at this time and you were right at the point of delivery you walked up to that television and turned it on and, and today there are so many choices right and how we kind of take in entertainment or maybe watch television however you want to think about that there are all these different streaming services one new streaming service just launched in the last couple of weeks it was a, a, a big deal and in the news and in the marketplace, and, and people are so excited about the opportunity to watch you know, movies from their childhood and to watch new content and, and different stories and, and movies that they've really enjoyed. Uh, uh, on this new streaming service, there's there's new Star Wars content. My son was excited about this show. He said, Dad, we we need to watch this show. And and uh, there are these articles that sort of pop up on social media the last couple of weeks. Weeks about this new Star Wars television show and and I clicked on one of those articles and I was reading this article all about Star Wars history and I'm about three-quarters of the way through this article when I realize I am spending I don't know you know five ten minutes whatever it is reading about this fictional history about this fictional universe and uh, which let's be honest, it will not impact my uh, enjoyment of watching any of those movies or anything. I don't need to know this fictional history in order to watch this fictional show. And I just realize I have invested this time that I will never get back. You know, this, this investment probably wasn't really worth it. Sometimes we invest our time poorly, don't we? We, we just make a mistake and we lose that time. It's never, it's never coming back. This, uh, last week we had a little bit of drama in our family. I'm not going to go into it too much. Uh, there was a, a post on Facebook that about, you know, this pastor's kid in the high school. And, and so that limits the pool of who this could be about. And it was sort of mean. And then Lacey started getting phone calls. Calls about this post, and and uh, so she's she's like, I need to figure out what this said, and and uh, and my whole deal was this whole time was, well, who cares, right? Who cares? Is this true? No, it's not true, and uh, and who cares? And and uh, it just doesn't matter. But but we get into sort of when we receive criticism right when somebody criticizes us when somebody provokes us when somebody is mean to us now we can invest so much of our emotional resources into thinking through and dealing with that when really if if the criticism is true then we need to get to the heart of why it's true and change that behavior if the criticism isn't true then who cares You know, we'll allow our actions and we'll allow the fruit in our lives to speak for themselves. That's really easy to say, isn't it? Until you're the one being criticized, and then we're sort of investing all of those emotional resources, probably poorly, in trying to figure out why this person doesn't like me, right? Why is this person being mean to me? Why is this person criticizing me? Sometimes we can invest poorly our emotional resources uh, in our lives. I was just at the store the other day with Sherry, my wife, and we were shopping, and, and you know what's out at the stores now? Of course, they have all the Christmas decorations and all that stuff, and that's cool, but what I like is the popcorn tins. Have you seen these popcorn tins in the stores? You know, they have the pictures of the different movies, and, and so there's a popcorn tin that had a movie I like on it, and I thought, man, I'm buying this popcorn tin, and I put it in the, in the cart, and Sherry just rolls her eyes and she keeps going. I'm like, honey, it's $5. It makes me happy. You know, we're buying this popcorn tin. And so we go and we buy that popcorn tin and, and Sherry picks it up out of the cart and, and she drops it in the cart. And I said, whoa, be careful with that. That's only going up in value, right? That's a collector's item. And of course, none of that is true, right? I, I just blew five bucks. On this popcorn tin that I'm going to either use as a trash can later or get rid of eventually, right? It just kind of blew this. And sometimes we invest even our most significant resources, maybe, if you want to think about it in those terms, or at least money, poorly. We make poor investments. Uh, All of us have done that in one way or another, and this morning, I I want you to know that we can invest in what really matters. We can make investments that last an an eternity, and in Jesus, I think, in in Luke chapter 12, uh, verses 32 to 34, teaches us three truths that will help us to invest well in our lives. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open them up to the 12th chapter of the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke. We're going to start in verse 30 and we're going to work our way through verses uh, 34, just a short section of Scripture this morning, as we uh, try to understand these three truths of how we can invest well in our lives. We're going to be in Luke chapter 12, we're going to begin in verse 32. This is what God's Word says. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is there your heart will be also. Okay, three simple verses that teach us three important truths about how we can invest well in our lives. Truth number one is that we have a good reason to not be afraid. We have a good reason to not be afraid. I'm sure a smarter person would have written that sentence in a better way, but this is how I wrote it, so sorry. We have a good reason to not be afraid. Uh, We we begin in verse 32 with just that, that short, simple command again, don't we? Fear not. Last week it was, don't worry right we we read these simple commands once in a while in scripture and they're just so easy i mean you see them even in television these ideas you know just do it be happy right don't worry Fear not, God says. And these short, simple commands that are really very, very difficult to live out, aren't they? We're we're approaching Christmas, and I've been working on the Christmas series, thinking about that Christmas story. And over and over in the Christmas story, you know, God says through an angel, uh, fear not, don't be afraid, over and over. And as you read that story and really unpack it, man, these people had really good reasons to be afraid. You you think about Mary, this teenage girl girl who's about to be a single mother who is inexperienced and naive and God said, You're gonna you're gonna give birth to my son. And 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 man, if anybody had reason to be afraid, it would be Mary, and yet the angel says, fear not. You think about her husband to be Joseph, uh, and the angel comes to him and, and breaks the news to Joseph and, and says, begins the conversation in the same way, fear not. And here again is this, you know, this guy who's preparing for marriage and finds out from an angel that is soon to be wife is already pregnant. Man, if somebody had reason to be afraid of what people might say, of what people might do, it would be Joseph. And yet the angel says, fear not not. You have these shepherds, these really ordinary guys, everyday common uh, folk out in the fields watching their flock. And then this army of angels shows up. And not only does this huge army of angels show up singing, but the glory of God shines around them. If you read about the glory of God in scripture, man, these guys who had never seen anything like this in their lives before or after had every reason... To be afraid and yet that army of angels begins their chorus by saying fear not just don't be afraid man it it, it we would think uh, the the simple phrase the simple command would be really easy but over and over and over in Scripture God reminds us to fear not. Uh, I've read and you've heard uh, probably uh, lots of times that fear not shows up 365 times in the Bible, you know, once for every day of the year. I've never counted them. I don't really know if that's true. I'm, I'm repeating just what I've heard. But over and over in Scripture, God says, don't be afraid. And then he follows the simple command by saying little flock. He sort of piles on, doesn't he? I know it's not really easy to to not be afraid, but don't be afraid. And just remember that you're just a few people. You don't have many resources. You're this tiny group of folks. You're just this little flock. And yet then he follows it in verse 32 with this amazing reason that we have to not be afraid, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom." For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. There's so much important meat in those few words. The first thing that we have to realize is that we have the creator of the universe on our side. That God desires this relationship with you. That he's invited you into this relationship. It's it's your father's good pleasure. You know, he wants this personal, intimate relationship with you. The Creator of the universe wants you to be a part of His team. He wants to make you heirs in His kingdom. You know what? What's God's kingdom like? Then what's that mean? Why is this such a big deal? Well, it's a big deal to Jesus because over ninety-six times He mentions it in the Gospels. Over and over and over, He talks about the kingdom. that that he's ushering in. Uh, The the kingdom, if you want to just define that idea of the kingdom of God, it's when God rules just like he does in heaven through the Messiah, remembering, though, that it's not really an earthly kingdom. It's when God rules just like he does in heaven through the Messiah. I think that as we walk through the Gospels and we think about the kingdom and why it's so important, we ought to remember a few things. The first thing we ought to remember is, is, is just just found over a little bit in in uh, Luke uh, chapter uh, thirteen. Just turn over one chapter in Luke chapter thirteen, uh, verses eighteen to twenty-one. Jesus says this about the kingdom. He says, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It's like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden and it grew and became a tree. And the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again, he said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. It's this small mustard seed that grows really big. It's this little bit of 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 leaven that that causes the the dough to to expand and it gets really big. The kingdom of God starts small and it grows big. It's really interesting because typically when we think about something getting really big, we're sort of like an explosion. It's big, you know. It's loud. It's it it's Impact is obvious right away. And the kingdom of God, though, is like a mustard seed, right? It's, it's small, and then it grows big, and it also grows quietly. You know, when you look around the world and you think, man, I wonder. I wonder if God's kingdom is really taking hold. Well, I get it. I understand why those doubts might enter our mind. I wonder if God's kingdom is really growing today. But just remember how Jesus described it. It's a mustard seed. It starts small and it keeps growing. But even as it grows, you, you know it grows like a seed in the garden, right? You don't, you don't hear it. You don't necessarily see it. It it grows it grows quietly. You, you turn over to Matthew chapter 13. And uh, Jesus is going to describe the kingdom in another way. In Matthew chapter uh, 13, verses 44 and f- through 46, he says, The kingdom of he- heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. What, what does Jesus tell us about the kingdom? Well, he tells us that it's worth, it's worth selling everything you have. It's worth doing whatever it takes to be a part of. It's worth, uh, it's worth whatever you need to do to be able to, to be in the kingdom. You turn over a few chapters in Matthew, and again, the last thing we, we, I, I think we need to know about the kingdom uh, of God uh, this morning is in Matthew uh, chapter 20. There's a story that's told in, in the first 16 uh, verses of Matthew chapter 20 about a, uh, a, a landowner who hires some laborers. And he hires laborers throughout the day. And he makes a deal with those, those guys. He, he finds some, some laborers in the morning at, at you know, 9 o'clock or whatever. And he says, I, I'll pay you uh, this much for that day. I'll pay you 10 bucks for the day. And, and so the laborer agrees, this is what I'm going to work for that day. And he works all day. And he comes at the end of the day and he receives his $10. But through the course of the day, around noon, the the landowner goes and he finds some more workers and he hires these workers and he said, I'll pay you $10 for the day. And so these workers hired at noon work from from noon to the end of the day at 6 and they come and they receive their wages and it's $10. And that landowner uh, comes uh, again at at 5 o'clock, just an hour before, you know, uh, they're shutting down for the day and he hires the last group of workers and he said, I'm going to pay you $10 a day. And those workers come and they work for just that hour and they show up at the end of the day And they receive their ten dollars now, you know, the last guys are pretty happy The the folks hired at five o'clock are thinking this is a great deal The folks hired at nine o'clock are kind of looking around going well What in the world is this about and what we learn from the story about the landowner and these workers is that God's grace is Dispensed generously if even it doesn't make a lot of sense to us and the way, and how, and, and how generously that that uh, that that grace is is given out. We can learn so much about the about the kingdom of God from what Jesus teaches about it that it it starts small and it grows big, that it's worth giving up everything we have, and that that God is is uh, we're a part of that through uh, Jesus and His grace, and and that it's generous even when we don't understand uh, why it's being dispensed in that way. The the kingdom of God is is really worth being a part of. There's good reason for us not to be afraid. Uh, the last thing I need you to know about the kingdom is that it's not an earthly one, but it's, it's manifested in a certain way even on this earth, and that's through his church. If you, if you look at Revelation chapter 5, this is the way Revelation chapter 5 talks about this. Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 through 10 says, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a a kingdom... Uh, and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. That uh, God's kingdom is manifested in the church today and that he promises that the church is big enough to survive. I, I read this amazing uh, article in all places, the Washington uh, Times, and this is what this article said about the church. Indeed, the church is the salt and light of human history. It has preserved culture in the midst of disease, debauchery, and despair. It has been a beacon of hope in the darkest days of violence and a Wilberforce uh, led the British to abolish the stri- slave trade. Mueller rescued orphans from the poverty and industrial revolution. Bonhoeffer defied Hitler. William Booth served the poor. Scott Luther, uh, Lee, and, and B.T. Roberts fought for abo- abo- abolition. And Chuck Colson be- de- Befriended the prisoners. Yes, the churches stemmed the tide of evil time and time again, from the killing fields of Cambodia to the prison cells of Cuba. It has been the flowing stream of justice amid plague and contagion. It has been the apex of care and compassion. In times of terror and war, it has been God's mercy on our infirmity and his pity uh, on our race. Nothing in all the vast universe can come to pass otherwise than God has eternally purposed. Here is a foundation of faith. Here is a resting place for the intellect. Here is an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast. It is not blind fate, unbridled evil, man or devil, but the Lord Almighty who is ruling the world, ruling it according to his own good pleasure and for his own eternal glory. The church will, will, will Stand. No matter what the world brings at it, the church will last. And, and it's the manifestation of the kingdom of, of God in our world today. Uh, we're, we can be a part of that team. We have really good reason to not be afraid. It's truth number one. Let's, let's consider truth number two, that some investments are better than others. Some investments are simply better than others. Let's take a look at verse 23 here in, in chapter 12 of the Gospel of Luke. Verse 23 says, for, uh, 33 rather, verse 33. Uh, 23 is really good too, but we talked about it a few weeks ago. Verse 33 says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in, in the heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. Some investments are better than others. And Jesus begins this, this conversation about which investments really matter by saying, sell your possessions. And I, I guess the question becomes, you know, is that really what he means to sell your possessions? Uh, last a uh, few weeks ago, uh, we talked about the fact that we accumulate so much stuff in the United States, and we talked about the thousands and thousands of items that are evidently in every home, and, and we buy ridiculous things like popcorn tins at the store, and we just we just get this stuff, right? We we have all this stuff, and and uh, you know, so when Jesus says, you know, sell your possessions, we we might think, well, well, maybe that would make sense, and and I thought about those possessions this week, and what really matters, and you you've. you've heard the old story, right? The old question, you know, if there was a fire, what would you go into your house and what would you bring out? And, and there's always this caveat, right? Well, well, of course your family is out of your house, right? And we'll, we'll throw in your pets. Your pets are out of your house, right? All the living beings that you care about in your home have been removed from the home before it's on fire. And, and now it's on fire. And you make a list of the things, you know, what three things would you go back into your house? house to, to, to take out of your house, and, and I tried to do that this week. I sat down on my desk, and I'm thinking, what three things do I go back in, and, and, and I'm risking my life to go into a fire to, to pull out of that, and I thought, well, you know, the, the right thing to say is that there's some pictures, right? There are these memories. There's pictures somewhere that I need to go in and, and receive, but man, almost all those are digital now. They're in the cloud. They'll probably be okay, you know, and uh, you know, maybe there's some documents somewhere, you know, these official documents. Documents that it 's really a hassle to replace those, and I probably ought to go in and get those but but uh, you know sherry 's responsible. she put those in a fireproof safe we 'll just get those afterwards right it 'll be okay uh, and, and then i 'm thinking, well, what stuff do I have that I would go back into this fire and and pull out and you know all the people that I care about are out of the house you know and it, it, man i I really I really had a hard time figuring out what what it would be. I mean, you know my George Brett signed baseball is in my office. if my office was in fire, maybe that's what i you know what what do I go back and what do I get and And what I realized is is that you know all of this stuff you know I would let that popcorn tin burn in a minute, right it just doesn't really matter that much and so uh, part of the deal here is when Jesus says hey sell your possessions to us we think about a garage sale don't we we're gonna we're gonna sell these items off at a at a at a shortfall you know we're gonna sell these items off at a at a bargain price because you we don't we don't want them anymore You know, we need to understand that real wealth in in Jesus' audience was caught up. It was, it's it's thought of differently than we think of real wealth. Because uh, for us, our real wealth is in, you know, maybe that home that's burning, right? (laughs) That's a bad deal. Or in our bank accounts, our retirement funds. But for Jesus' audience, no, their wealth was in maybe the clothes that they were wearing, you know, the, the few possessions that they had, perhaps the, the, the few livestock behind the house, that, that was their wealth. And so when you read, hey, go sell your possessions and give to the needy, you ought to think about it in our world more like empty your 401k and give to the needy. That's closer along the lines of what Jesus was saying to his disciples. Now, why in the world would Jesus, because there's still, there's still a lot of truth here that we, we, we should learn from this. Uh, why in the world would Jesus say to his disciples, go and sell your possessions? I think there's a couple of big reasons. The first one is, and, and as we think about all those items we've piled up in our homes, this would be a good reason too, uh, to be unencumbered in their, in their pursuit of Jesus. All right? So that their stuff, doesn't get in their way of knowing him so that they can leave everything behind and follow jesus now what i what i think we need to think about is are are there possessions are there things are there is there stuff in our life that might hinder us from following jesus you know, I thought about what, what's that look like in my own life? Is, are, there, are, there, are there things, are there hobbies, right, that, that keep us distracted from Jesus? Are there things that, you know, do the set of golf clubs or the hunting rifles, do they keep us from, from worshiping with Jesus? Worshiping Jesus with other believers do they keep us from doing that maybe if they do uh, you know that's something that we ought to sell do the electronics in our home do they keep our our thoughts from focusing on what is what is holy what is right what is good do they lead our thoughts to something that's not pure and not right well maybe if they do we ought to sell that stuff is is the the craft room that we keep adding to on our home does that keep us from being generous and 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 giving to the needy like jesus talks about well maybe if it does we we ought to sell some of that stuff right we we ought to get rid of some of the things in our lives that keep us from following after jesus I think the first reason that Jesus says to his followers, sell all your, all your belongings, sell your possessions, is to, so that they will be able to follow him readily, that nothing will get in the way. Uh, The second reason Jesus spells out for us here in verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the needy. It's so we can be generous to to give to the needy. Some of you have already started on this tithe challenge, and and that tithe challenge is all about um, giving consistently to God's work, and and that's awesome, and I'm I'm, I'm glad that you're beginning that journey, and and if others want to jump on, there's still time you can begin to do that, Just, just like the video said earlier, you know, this is the one area where God's Says to test him so so give him a try, and begin to give back consistently to to his work and and see the difference in in your life spiritually and how God provides for you but there's there 's great opportunity here when you think about selling something to give above and beyond to to give generously to help the needy and while Lula has such a, a rich tradition of doing this and i'm i 'm so proud and, and i 've just Grateful for the generosity represented in, in this room already. You think about this this Christmas season; it, it's already started right with the uh, the helping ministry sponsored this coat drive, and, and there there probably over 125 coats uh, are are going to be um, given to the to families in Leavenworth School District that that just need a little help, you know, staying warm on the way to school and the way home and all those things. And uh, it's awesome generosity. There's an angel tree in the form year and and i i it's an easy prediction that every year this is what happens we set up that angel tree and then we have to figure out what to do because all the angels are gone in one week you know though people are going to be generous in that way. Uh, In a a few weeks, you'll begin to hear more about our our Walk to the Manger offering. Every Christmas here at Wallula Christian Church, we receive a special uh, Christmas offering. And and through this Christmas offering this year, uh, we'll resource our third Thursday ministry all year long. We'll feed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people every month uh, because of the generosity of that Walk to the Manger uh, offering. We'll resource uh, some of our helping ministry endeavors through that Walk to the Manger uh, offering. And so folks who are, uh, you know, just are are struggling a little bit with uh, some of the things that we take for granted, like a warm house and lights on or warm water, those sorts of things we'll be able to provide and help them uh, catch up a little bit with some of those uh, needs in their life, and all because of the generosity of folks here at Wallula Christian Church. Uh, finally, with that uh, Walk to the Manger offering this year, we're going to uh, get a head start on, I, I don't know if you've driven by the church van and parked your car and looked over and saw, thought, do I want my kids to get into that? It, it's safe, I promise, but you know the appearances are one thing. And, and so we need to catch up on some of that transportation for our youth and our kids and, and their different activities. And so that'll be another way that we we can be uh, generous this year, but we can help uh, those who are in need through this generosity. You know, those investments really, really matter. This is how Jesus describes those investments. You you think about that stuff in your house, what would you go and, and grab out of a burning house? Well, maybe not much because well, first of all, you know, it's all going away anyway, don't you? I mean, you, you can't take it with you. All those ideas, it's, it's wasting away. Jesus says in, in verse 33, uh, provide for yourselves money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure uh, in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, right? All the stuff that we accumulate in our lives, all the wealth we accumulate in our lives, it, it won't last for eternity. We ought to invest in the things that will last for all of eternity. And that's really where we come to with truth number three, that there's a connection between your heart and your treasure, there's a connection between your heart and your treasure. You know what do you want to treasure? Verse uh, 34 says it like this, for where your treasure is, there will be uh, there will your heart be also. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So we have to decide, you know, what do we want to treasure? Well, I, I think when you run down the list, uh, it, well, it can't be that stuff that we're letting burn up in the house, right? If that's really where we come down with that stuff, it, it can't be that. We don't want to treasure even the wealth and the, the real uh, wealth in our lives. We want, to, we want to treasure, as followers of Jesus, we would say, well, God, you know, he says love God with, with all that we are and then to love others like we love ourselves. And so we want to love God and we want to love others, well, how do we do that? I heard somebody say this week that it's not rocket science to, to, to know and to grow in your love of God and others. You need to, you need to be involved in, in three things. He said you need to be exposed to Scripture. All right? And, and so we need to expose ourselves to, to God's Word. You're, you're doing that right now, right? We come to worship on Sunday mornings and we expose ourselves to God's, words, uh, God's Word. And, and that's probably not enough. We need to be involved in some real Bible study and small group Bible study. We need to be involved every day in our own personal time of worship, spending time reading God's Word on, on our own. We need to expose ourselves to God's Word. If we want to grow in, in the love of God and service to others, what else do we need to do we need to be exposed to fellowship we need to be in relationship with other believers. We need, to, we need to have somebody in our lives that we can look up to as a spiritual mentor, and that we can, we can help along as, as their spiritual mentor. We need these relationships that are being built and being grown, and we need fellowship with one another. And finally, we need to be exposed to a service uh, with one another. And, and you know, here at Wallula Christian Church, you know, Sunday morning worship and, and Bible study, you're exposed. To God's Word. Those small groups provide a place for fellowship, and our ministry teams provide a place uh, to, to be of service. Get involved in those things, and you'll begin to be changed by God from the inside out for sure. Uh, if you want more answers about how to be involved in those three areas, how to be better exposed in those three areas, then truly our Closer Look class tonight is a great place to do that. There's a sign up at the Next Step station. You can sign up to be a part of that Closer Look uh, uh, class if you've been putting it off for a while don't wait be a part of that Figure out how to be exposed to those three things more and more in your life uh, we want to we want to love others like we love ourselves And when you think about uh, the folks that are really hard to love man We need to begin to pray for them more. Jesus said, you know pray for your enemies Right when when we pray for our enemies, it's really hard to keep them our enemies it's very difficult, I promise. Begin praying for those folks in your life that, that is, they're just really difficult to love. Begin praying for them. Uh, invite you know, your coworkers workers to, to worship with you even though you know it's scary. If this is really the investment that matters for all of eternity is a relationship with Jesus, why are we holding on to it so tightly? right? invest your, Invite your loved ones and your co-workers and your neighbors, even though it's scary and hard to do, find a way to invite them to worship with you, to to expose them to, to Jesus' love in their lives and serve others well. Find a way to serve others well. Uh, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. These things don't come naturally to us perhaps, they're hard for us to do, and, and many of us would think, well if, if it's really in our heart, if it's really what I want to do, I will do that naturally. And I'm not so sure. I was walking through a store. I was eating dinner with my my wife the other night. And then we went to the store and I had on this this t-shirt, there was a Bonner Springs wrestling t-shirt. And in both places I had people come up to me and, and begin talking to me about wrestling. Now here's the deal. I I'm not really a a wrestling fan right I don't know that much about wrestling I don't get that excited about it I've got this t-shirt because my son was a wrestler and so I I went to these wrestling tournaments and I watched him wrestle and and I went to these wrestling tournaments even though I wasn't very interested in the wrestling tournaments you know I, I just wasn't a fan I thought it was a little odd in fact when he started wrestling I used to say do you want some tips when, when you, you start to grapple, I may, maybe that's the right term, I don't really know, I, I used to tell them, hey, just lean in and say, I really like hugs, and just see what happens. <laughs> Right? It was just all a little odd to me, to be honest. And so I'm watching these tournaments and, and I, I end up, you know, I, I enjoy the wrestling more and more because I show up to it more and more. But I'm only showing up to it because, you know, I've got this kid who I care about and I want to encourage. And so I'm there. And so other words my, you know, my heart wasn't in it. But the more I showed up, the more my heart was in it. You know, he's not wrestling anymore, so we'll see how much my heart is in it, right? But the more I showed up, the more my heart was in it. And I think the same thing's true in our spiritual lives. You know, you say, man, this is really hard for me to take this step to invite my neighbor. That scares me to death. I'm not sure my heart is in it. Well, you know, just try it. Take that step. You know, do something. Just put, put the, the, the sign in your yard at Christmas time or at Easter, you know, take that first step. Do something, and the more you do it, I wonder if your heart will follow what you treasure, what you make important in your life. Now, you think, man, I need to be exposed to Scripture, but when I sit down and I read Scripture, you know, my mind wanders. My heart must not be in it. You know, do what you need to do to spend some time every day in God's Word. If that means setting a timer for five minutes or ten minutes or setting a limit, I'm going to read a chapter a day no matter what. Then sit down and do that. And when your mind wanders, grab hold of those thoughts, right? Make them obedient to Jesus and start again until that timer goes off, until you're at the end of the chapter. And the more you do it, the more you treasure it, let's see if your heart follows. Right? That's what, that's what Jesus says. You know, we tend to think about that in the opposite way, but Jesus says where your treasure is, what you're going to invest in, what you're going to make a priority, well, there your heart will be also. We'll grow into that thing. That's what he's done with us over and over again. You know, when we started this remodel several years ago, we were going through some different places and we, we discovered this attic we didn't know. As some of you probably knew, you know, there was this attic above like the kitchen and, and I didn't know it was there. And we discovered this attic and we started pulling things out of the attic. And I was like, what in the world? And one of the things we pulled out of this attic was this, this painting of Jesus. Now, I hope nobody's grandmother painted this painting of Jesus, but it was weird. All right, and we just looked at it and we thought, man, no wonder it was in the attic, that's weird. I heard a story from a preacher by the name of John Burke, though. He said, if you went into a barn or an attic and you discovered this painting and you looked at the frame and you thought, man, that frame looks old. And, and the deal is, though, that this painting is covered in, in kind of not just dust but but mud, you know, caked on dirt and mud, and, and there it is. And, and if you chipped away a little bit of that, of that mud and that dirt and, and you'd realize, oh, I think I have a Rembrandt. I think I have this really extraordinary... Ancient, antique work of art. This is probably worth some real money. You know what you wouldn't do? You wouldn't keep chipping away at that mud, right? You would take it to the expert who would then you know clean it and restore it and 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 remove all that dirt and that mud because what's underneath is of real value. God has loved us in this extraordinary way. He's provided us with this expert to remove the mud from our lives. If he loves us in that way, now what does it mean for us to begin to treasure the things that he treasures? To begin to move our heart in the same places that his heart moves? Let's stand and worship him today.